Again, we welcome you to Confirmation Sunday, uh, a very important day in the life of this church each and every year. Uh, part of my story is a story of confirmation. I remember very well my eighth grade confirmation, and it was a day where I got to give testimony, and I was nervous, like I'm sure some of you students are maybe nervous today, but it was also a day where I really experienced the tangible power of God's Holy Spirit on my life as my pastor blessed me, as my church came around me, as my parents came and laid hands on me. And I hope the same for each and every one of you today, not just students, but every one of you here today, that you have a sense of the Spirit's work, not only in their lives, but in your life as well. If you don't know, our confirmation program is a two-year commitment. It's for 7th and 8th grade students, and we walk through uh, one of our testaments each of the years. So this year is an Old Testament year. Last year we went through the New Testament. And it culminates in this day today, where each of our 14 confirmands, 7 in this service, 7 in next service, will give testimony in the form of a mini-sermon. They are the preachers this morning, and you get to hear seven mini-sermons in this service. We'd invite you, if you want to stick around later, uh, stick around for the 1030 service, because we'll have seven more of them. Uh, Opportunities to hear God's work in their lives and also what they hope for in the future. But I also want to say that this church has always committed to confirmation as an important part of our program. The first Sunday that I came here, uh, I had a, a sweet lady, some of you remember, Natalie Soderholm, who, who the first thing she said was, I'm so glad that you're excited about confirmation because I was confirmed like 74 years ago in this church or some crazy number. I can't remember what it was, but uh, that was important to her. And uh, this church is committed to that for a long time. So I want you kids to know, you students to know, not kids, young men and women, to know that you are in a long line of people who have stood up, stood up here and done this on this day. So I wonder how many of you have been confirmed in this church just by show of hands. Look at that. Isn't that great? That's awesome. I, I won't ask who's got the record. Probably Jim or, yeah, Jim's probably got the record. Glenn. Glenn's got the record maybe. Or were you guys together? Same class. In 55, the same class of confirmation. How cool is that, isn't it? Yeah. That's just awesome. So uh, this is a long history and an important day for us. So as it's an Old Testament year this year, our students have been walking through the Old Testament. For their many sermons this year, they have chosen an Old Testament character that uh, they are interested in, that they want to understand more about that they are drawn to in terms of the faith witness they think that they show and also um, a, a character, an Old Testament character that maybe they can live into in the high school years and beyond. So let's start with our mini-sermons and we'll start with Owen. My name is Owen Simmons and today I'll tell you about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of three men far from their homeland under the rule of a sinful king, but mustering up enough strength to stay faithful to God in the face of the most dreadful adversity one can imagine. Daniel 3 starts with the corrupt and arrogant King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon making a massive golden statue of himself. He puts a statue on the plain of Dura in Babylon and called for all the intellectuals of the province to come to the dedication ceremony. So everyone from the satraps to the magistrates gathered on the plain and Harold commanded them all to fall down and worship the statue once the music started. Whoever didn't worship the statue would be thrown into a blazing furnace. 
So the music started, and everyone worshipped the king, besides our three good friends. The king was angered by this, and gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego one more chance to worship him, but they refused, knowing refusal would mean death. They told the king that their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, keep them safe and see them all the way through the blazing furnace. Naturally, this made the king furious, as our friend wasn't one to hear the miracles of the good Lord. In fact, the king was so angry, he ordered the furnace of punishment to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put into the furnace, the king was sure he would win. What god could overcome such high temperatures? It was so hot that even the guards standing watch all died. But when Nebuchadnezzar looked in, he saw not three men, but four, and I quote, walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. After he pulled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the furnace, he fell to his knees, singing praises to the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. First of all, I want to say how much I admire Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for their faith and trust in God, even in the most dire of situations. I can relate to the faith of these characters because I, as we all have, have faced many situations that require us to keep our faith and maintain our Christian values and do what Jesus would do. I sympathize with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for resisting corrupt authority and not just going like lambs to the slaughter. I also noticed how they were never aggressive towards King Nebuchadnezzar and always polite, even when he threatened their lives. Something else I noticed was how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all stuck together and through their friendship enriched their trust in God. As Proverbs 27:17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens the face his neighbor. These three men found their iron, and I believe that their camaraderie helped them overcome the threats of Nebuchadnezzar and keep their faith. An experience of mine that can relate to the faith and trust of, ne- of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one that happens continually throughout school. I usually get nervous before I take a test or quiz in school because I want to do well and make all my hard work pay off. As a result, I usually start doubting myself and questioning if I really studied well enough and worked hard enough. But I just have to remember that God's got me, and whatever may happen with the test or quiz, the result will be used to teach me a lesson that will glorify God and help me in my walk in faith. I also hope to find close friends that will help me in my, my walk in faith and help me learn to love and trust God and sharpen my iron. So I want my faith to be like that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they're undying trust in God, and I hope that through copious prayer, I may be not only to get their trust, but use it daily to glorify God and all he stands for. In conclusion, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3 is one of empowering faith and trust in the good Lord with right overcoming wrong. I hope that my words today connected with you, and as I mentioned before, I hope I may have sharpened your iron today and helped you on your journey in Christ. Thank you. Hello, my name is Alana Vargo, and the character that I feel relates to my faith journey the most is David. David was Jesse's youngest son, who instead of working with Saul in the war, was busy protecting his father's sheep. Word broke out that Goliath, a giant Philistine, had arrived. What he wanted was to fight a man to declare who won power. The winner of this fight would be rewarded by the king. David wanted to be the hero and found he was determined to fight. But everyone knew David as the young weakling without training, telling him that there would be no way he would ever win the battle. But David felt as if he had his own training by protecting his sheep and knew that God would protect him as he said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will protect me from the hand of this Philistine. 
David was right. He succeeded in defeating Goliath because even though nobody had faith in him, he had faith in God. Now I will give you an overview of my life as a Christian. When I was very young, I started to go to First Congregational Church of Western Springs and had an education at a Christian preschool called Zion. At Zion and Sunday school, I began learning many of the fundamental elements of the Bible. After moving on to elementary school, me and my family continued to go to church as much as we could, but the amount of times we would go began to decrease after a few years. As me and my family became busier with three children who loved activities, we started to not go very often. At the end of my sixth grade year was when COVID hit. This was the exact time that my grandpa became diagnosed with brain cancer. To help my grandpa, my family moved to Winona, Minnesota, where he and my grandma lived. Here, I was isolated from my friends, my school, and my hometown. I fell into a path of depression as I spent most of our days in our small apartment doing my online schoolwork and not spending much time outside or with my friends. During all this, my grandpa was getting weaker every day, and it pained everyone in my family to see him like that. But even though I was struggling, God kept me going through these times, as when things got rough, I would send him a prayer and hope and could sense his presence in my life. Almost a year later, my grandpa passed. As much as I hated that he was gone, I tried to remember that God now has him in a better place, for he is no longer hurting. After moving back to Illinois, I started to go back to in-person school. About a month into that, I got into an almost deadly car crash while on my way to dance class with my babysitter and my younger sister. Following this event, I fell back into the depression I had once felt in Minnesota, but this time worse. I couldn't process the fact that that crash had happened to me, and I started to have a fear of cars and driving, as I truly thought that the same thing would happen to me again. But I remember one of my first thoughts after that crash was that it had to be God who was protecting me during that specific moment, and he had to be the one that chose for my life not to end during that event. Even though my mental health was definitely damaged after the crash, it produced this way to show me that how much I can rely on God and helped me to see the impact that he had on my life. The next school year, we really didn't go to church anymore, but I started to go to Flipside every single week, as well as confirmation because my best friend Piper went as well. These things provided me with joy and a reminder of God in my life. It also helped me to continue practicing my faith after a long time of not going to church. Recently, I have gotten back on track with my faith as I have gone on retreats for youth group and confirmation that have helped me to learn more about God's purpose in my life as well as in others. I also began to go to church here at Covenant. To relate both the story of David and my own personal faith story, I would connect those two by saying that just how David was struggling to show people that he could beat Goliath but ended up succeeding because of his strong faith that he had in God, just like that, I pushed through my struggles because of the fierce belief that God was with me during those times. I want my faith journey to continue to be like David's as I hope that in the future, when I go through more obstacles, I can rely on my faith in God to help me through them. Thank you for listening. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Dylan Smith. And I chose Jacob because the way he wrestled with God and how he doesn't give up. I can relate to Jacob with the way my parents insisted on me going to church and confirmation. I can also relate to Jacob because he used to be a bad kid and get in trouble all the time. Uh, as he matured through his life, he found a way to be blessed and get his wrongdoings forgiven by God. I can relate because I used to get in trouble all the time during school and I feel like I was wrestling with God at that point in my life. I was half-heartedly trying to be better and intentionally mature. Now that I am much better and have matured, well, semi-matured, and I know that I'm not 100% matured, but right now I'm pretty happy that I am blessed by God. 
I feel like a new person not only because I desire to do better in school and act more mature than I have in the past. God has transformed my life in this way. At the beginning of this year, I felt like confirmation would be too much this year, and I was irritated and didn't want to go and got mad. It ruined my plans with my friends, and then I couldn't hang out that day. But the more and more I went, my interest grew in what Pastor Lars was saying, and by the end, I found myself more excited to go to confirmation. In my walk, I feel like Jacob and I have many similarities. The main one I can see right away is that we both want God's best for us, but we want to do it in our own way. We both haven't always been fair to our brothers, and we both... We both put ourselves first in many things, and we have both tricked our brothers into doing bad things. But like Jacob, I realized that I need to confess my sins before I, before I can have a relationship with God. My faith walk started when I went to preschool here at this church, and I've been coming here ever since. Before COVID, I used to read scripture at some of the services, and I really enjoyed being able to do that. I enjoy the fellowship with everyone, not just my own age group. I feel blessed by so many people watching me grow up here. Uh, I have also been blessed by being able to attend BSF for eight years and would like to continue going. And to top it all off, I would like to thank all of you and all of you guys. And I wouldn't be here without my parents, Carrie and Clayton Smith, and my grandparents, Carol and Bob Smith, and Jack and Tess Orbo. My name is Rebecca Bell, and the story I chose for my sermon is 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you are not already familiar with the story of David and Goliath, it takes place in a war in Israel between the Israelites and the Philistines. The most intimidating Philistine was a giant named Goliath, and whoever would defeat him would be rewarded by the king. No one had the courage to attempt to defeat him, but a young shepherd named David defeated him using his trust in God and a sling and a swing to s to swing a stone at Goliath's head. I think everyone has a Goliath in their life. Something that seems impossible to deal with. The biggest Goliath in my life is my struggle with ADHD. Getting my schoolwork done in a reasonable amount of time has been a struggle for me because I have this never-ending cycle where I get intimidated and distracted and then an hour passes by and I haven't finished anything. I've dealt with this issue since elementary school and it's a constant obstacle in my daily life. Oftentimes in school I, I feel lost compared to my other students. It feels like they're going so much faster than me and it's hard for me to keep up. It's always taken me a while to process things and this shows in my schoolwork. ADHD also impacts my life outside of school. It's hard for me to sit still, and in conversations, I miss a lot of what people say. I tend to get lost in my own train, in my own train of thoughts. It can be difficult to break this subconscious habit, and it often takes a while for me to get my priorities done. I try to incorporate prayer when I get stuck in situations like this. Praying for courage can help me be motivated to not avoid my work. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50 says, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a word in his, with, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. 
I recognize that ADHD will always be a part of my life, but I am grateful that I have some tools I can use to overcome ADHD. David only fought with a sling and a stone and was able to defeat Goliath. He was able to overpower Goliath with his faith in the Lord. If that was all it took for David to prevail over Goliath, I know that it's possible for me too if I have trust in God. Hi, my name is Ellie McGowan, and the character I chose for my mini-sermon is Joseph. We talk about Joseph when we discuss Genesis at the beginning of the year. If you have studied Genesis or watched Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat or heard Pastor Simon talk about it last week, then you already know the story. But if you haven't, let me give you some background. Jacob, grandson of Abraham, lived with his family in Canaan, which encompasses modern-day Israel, Lebanon, and Syria. He had 12 sons, one of whom was Joseph. Joseph loved, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the others and gave him a beautiful, expensive colored cloak. His brothers were jealous of Joseph for always being their father's favorite and receiving all of their dad's love and attention. This cloak pushed them over the edge and they sold him into slavery. He was taken to Egypt by his captors and eventually became a steward or servant to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials. Joseph was falsely accused of assaulting the Pharaoh's wife and then imprisoned. After all that he suffered as a slave and prisoner, he was made a governor of Egypt because of his incredible ability to interpret the Pharaoh's dreams. As a ruler, he, ri he wisely rationed the country's produce in preparation for the famine he foresaw that would strike the region. During the famine, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to plead with him for food and supplies. They did not know that the governor with whom they pleaded was Joseph, and he did not immediately identify himself. Once Joseph saw that his brothers had become reformed, kind, and caring, he identified himself with great joy. Joseph, who... who who had not understood what God had in store for him all this time, invited his father and his brothers to come and settle in Egypt. This story can be found in the Old Testament, Genesis 37, chapters 39 through 40. I relate to the, to the faith of Joseph because I grew up being told that, Joseph, that God was there, but just never really thought about it fully until about a year ago when I started actively participating in church and youth groups. Youth group helped me find my place in the church and connect with God in a way I hadn't before. It also helped me realize that God has always been been here and will always and will be with me always. This is kind of like how Joseph knew that God was there. He just didn't quite realize his glory until he experienced it while while seeing the Pharaoh's dreams. I think I really relate to Joseph mainly because like him, it took me a while to understand that everything that happens in my life, God will help me through. And also remembering remembering that everything that God does is an act of love and even though sometimes it's hard to see a way out of things it's hard to see a way out. Okay. Um, in Joseph's story, you can see how it seems to get worse and worse. However, he stayed faithful and true to God. Then amazingly, due to his God-given ability, he was made governor of Egypt. I think this relates to my faith story because I've definitely had my fair share of ups and downs. Now, I won't get into any details, but there have been times in my life where I didn't think I could see a way out of my problems. However, after reading Joseph's story, I know that I will be okay. Yes, I may still be going through those ups and downs, but I know that if I have faith, God will get me through it, just like he did Joseph. I want to be like Joseph, remembering that even though um, we might get some curveballs that we can't seem to hit, I need to love and have faith and that God will guide me and always be beside me. Also remembering that there is one constant about all of our lives, and that is God and his love for us. Like Joseph famously said in Genesis 50, 50 chapter 4, <laughs> as, as for you, you meant 
evil against me, but God meant it for good. Sometimes things happen in our lives that break our hearts or steal our joy. In those moments, it is easy, easy for us to forget that God has a hand in every part of our lives. So even when things are not their best, I need to rejoice in the good things around me. Hi, I'm Addie Shea, and my character is Solomon. When I think about God, I usually think about words like love, power, forgiveness, and patience. And though these are in no way wrong, this also means that I sometimes overlook one of his most important attributes, his wisdom. It's God's wisdom that has the foresight to continue forgiving his people, and his wisdom that makes sure we are steered towards the right path, even if that means that we sometimes have to stray away from it in order to learn the right lessons. No human has ever embodied this principle better than the king of wisdom himself, King Solomon. His faith is one that has God's wisdom interwoven throughout each and every part of his journey, either guiding him through or pulling him back onto its, in, onto its path. Solomon was renowned for his wisdom in dealing with trials both personal and kingdom-wide, but it was truly his connection with God that gave him the aptitude to continue making the best decisions for both himself and his people. I continue to see parts of Solomon's story reflected in mine as both of us strive to serve God in the world as much as we can. Over these past few years, I've realized that I've often needed wisdom to cope with things that require patience and deliberation. My friends often rely on each other um, to help make good decisions, but now more than ever, it's difficult to stay true to yourself and your thoughts and still placate the people who mean the most to you. Many times, I'd see friends ruthless, ruthlessly cut each other apart and then turn around and ask the rest of us to help pick sides and attack the other one. And though we bite our tongues and pretend these things don't happen, Lacking the courage and wisdom to face these problems head on um, means that these issues fester and grow, only becoming worse and worse with time. For me, that eruption of that tension was far greater than any of my friends could have anticipated, even if we tried. When two of my best friends stopped talking to each other over the summer, I felt torn between them. Either I could help one heal or lose the other for good, or try to help both and risk hurting them both. Every day felt more and more hopeless because there were so many secrets and so many layers between us that trying to stitch our friendships back together could only, up, could only end up tearing other ones apart. More than once while puzzling this over, I was reminded of King Solomon the two women, and the two women with the baby um, where he needed to step out of his comfort zone and suggest something seemingly absurd in order to help the truth come to light. It was then I realized that having and using God's wisdom sometimes means doing things that you otherwise wouldn't do because God has the foresight to read you in the, right, in the right direction. I often like to do things on my own so others don't think of me as weak or helpless, but like Solomon, I've realized now, after drifting away from two of my former best friends, um, that some things can't be solved by myself. I need God's wisdom to choose the path that will lead to the right thing, even if that means that decision could hurt. In order to truly make a difference in a way that counts, even if it's in small things like helping my friends solve problems with each other, I have to ask for God and his wisdom to guide me forward. Hello, my name is Luke Carter, and I relate my faith to the, my faith to the prophet Abraham. A few months ago, my parents told me that we would be moving to Washington, D.C. over the summer. This decision was completely unexpected, and my brothers and I were shocked. After praying and asking God for wisdom, my parents made the decision and talked to us. They told us it was, the move was a great thing for my dad's job and that our house sold quickly over spring break. Overall, I can relate to Abraham 
through traveling into the unknown in these next coming months. Like Abraham, my family made this decision based on God's answers to their questions. Currently, my family hasn't even found a house to buy yet. We haven't figured out a lot of the new details about our new life. It feels like a big time of change and we are facing lots of uncertainty. Not only is it hard not knowing what our new life will look like, but it's also hard leaving our friends and everything we love about Hinsdale. We only have a few months left and we are determined to make the most out of it. Like Abraham, I'm uncertain what my future is going to look like, so the only thing that I can do right now is put my faith in God. Abraham was called by God to leave his own country and people and move to an undesignated land. He was sent to create a new nation, and God told him that he would have more children than the scars in the sky. God also told Abraham, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Abraham listened. Abraham had a strong faith in God, so much so that it didn't matter that he was traveling to a new location where no one had been before, or that he was leaving the, familiar, the familiar, familiarity of his home. He put his trust in God, and despite the fact that God was calling him to a foreign land, and despite the fact that he had no idea what he would face when he arrived, Abraham had to blindly put the details of his, of his life in God's hands which is exactly what my family and I are having to do currently. This upcoming summer is one filled with gaps in our schedules and uncertainty in our hearts. My family and I want to be like Abraham, who had no idea where he was going or what to expect, but was able to, but was able to persevere and become a founder of a great nation. Like me, he also had to leave his home as well as his friends and family. It was his faith in God that helped him get there. I strive to be like Abraham and to trust in God so much so that it doesn't matter where, I'm, uh, where I am because I can be certain that the Lord will shelter and guide me to the new destination. Overall, I relate to Abraham's journey to the promised land because my family and I are trusting God to lead us in the right direction in our move to D.C. As Proverbs, as Proverbs 3, through 3, 5 through 6 said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Thank you. Hello, my name is Sabrina Guevara, and the character I chose from the Old Testament is Esther. Everyone faces hardships in their lifetime, whether it's losing a loved one or just going through everyday life. Even people in the Bible face hardships. Take Esther, for example. Esther is a book in the Old Testament about a girl who has to face the king and tell him that the law he passed, saying everyone who is Jewish must die, was bad. Esther had to be courageous when she stood up to the king to save her people, even though she could have been killed. She chose to trust God instead of falling back on her own fear and in her own strength. I relate to Esther so much because she had to face her fears and turn her faith towards God. I remember kindergarten so well. I enjoyed it so much, but I'm going to be honest with you. I would cry multiple times a day because I was homeschooled for preschool, and it was a big adjustment. I was so scared of what would happen when my parents left. My mom taught at the same school, which helped a little bit, but it also made me cry even more. Arriving at school every morning, I would cry. At lunch, I would see my mom dropping off her class in the lunchroom and then leaving, and I would cry. Every night when I was going to bed, I would cry. I shed so many tears, I could probably have filled up a pool. And this may sound bad, and it was, but it was all because I thought I needed my parents to survive just the school day. 
when in reality, all I needed was God. Now, we went to church every Sunday, but I always thought it was just a place where you play games and read stories about Noah or David or Daniel or Abraham or Esther. One day, my brother Milo had a soccer game to go to, and he wasn't feeling 100%. My mom told us we had to fake it till we make it, so, of course, Milo went to his game. When he was getting out of the car, my mom said something like, may God give you strength. Being a curious kid, I questioned my mom, how do you get strength from God? After a few minutes of talking about who God is and why we need to follow him, my mom prayed over me and told me how to pray for myself to let God into my heart. From that day forward, I have been less relying on others to be content and more relying on God. I know he always has a plan no matter how hard the times can be. God will give you courage in your hardest times because he cares so much about you. In Esther 4.14, it says, you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is when Esther is communicating to her cousin Mordecai, and he was saying that it is no coincidence that she came into royal power when her people were being persecuted. Obviously, God did this to save his covenant people and ultimately continue the story of redemption leading up to Jesus. Even though my struggles weren't as big as Esther's, I did still ask for strength from God. Just like Esther, I was scared to face my fears. But once I prayed and allowed God to work through me, everything turned out. Esther spoke out for God, even if it was risky. And because she trusted God, she saved her people. In Esther 4.16, she is writing back to Mordecai, telling her plan, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Just like Jesus, she was willing to sacrifice her people. She was willing to sacrifice herself to save her people. She was also willing to speak up against what was wrong with the king's law and stand up for what is right in God's eyes by telling the king to allow her people to worship the one true God. I want to be like Esther in the future since she knew she could be killed and yet she still pursued God's plan and saved his people. Everyone needs to face their fears and trust in God with everything. At school, most people wear things that say like glassier or I pause my game to be here. But I thought it would be best to swim against the tide and follow God by wearing bright colors and things that have Bible verses on it. I might get some weird looks, but it is 100% worth it to praise God and proclaim his name. Just by wearing shirts like that, I have talked to so many people about the word of God and found so many people in my school who are Christians as well. There is definitely more I can do to save the to share the word of God with others, but by wearing shirts with verses on them is one small step towards leading so many people towards God. In the future, I hope to be more courageous and spread the love of God to others, even if it causes people to think I'm weird. I hope everyone learns to face their fears like Esther and trust in God, even if there are risks. Hello, my name is Peter Heisinga. The person I chose was a strong, brave man of God, and most importantly to the story, a lefty. You may not know the story of Ehud in the book of Judges. At the time, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so that God sent them King Eglon, the wicked tyrant of Moab, to conquer them and rule over them for 18 years. After these years, Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent them Ehud, a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. 
The Israelites sent him with a tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. However, Ehud had other plans than to give him the tribute. He made a double-edged sword that was one cubic in length, which is about 18 inches long, and strapped it to his left right thigh. You might now wonder why it's so important that he was a lefty. In order for him to see King Eglon, his guards had to pat him down and make sure that he didn't have his weapon on him. However, they only patted down his left thigh because no one thought of lefties and right-handed people would carry their weapon on their left side to easily draw it. This meant that even though they patted him down, they did not find the sword on his body and he was able to enter the room of King Eglon with his weapon. He told Eglon he had a secret message from God from God, which caused Eglon to send out all his servants and guards, leaving him alone with Ehud. Then Ehud took out his sword, said, I have a special message from you from God, um, and thrust it into his belly, which was so fat that it says the hilt went in after the blade. He quickly ran over and locked the doors and escaped out of the porch. His servants thought he was going to the bathroom, so they let him be meanwhile. Ehud escaped and blew a trumpet, calling the Israelites' army to invade. Meanwhile, Moab was in a state of panic after they found their king dead and were easily conquered with no one to lead them. I've always loved this story in the Bible because it's about an average person <coughs> um, who used something that made him different to take down an entire nation for the kingdom of God. Also, he trusted a lot in God throughout the story. In the beginning, he had a listen. <laughs> Um, he had to listen to the Holy Spirit and trust that he was doing the right thing and that this was God. Then he took action trusting in God. If they would have just patted down his right thigh, they would have found his weapon and he would have most likely been killed. He had to trust that God would keep him safe. Next, I hope to have the obedience to God like Ehud. In the story, he took action and followed through without hesitation. Right after God told him what to do, he got it done, even though it was very dangerous and he could have been killed. He trusted God would keep him safe, and he came out unharmed and freed the Israelites. I feel like sometimes I can be slow to be obedient to God. It's easy at times to know what God might want me to do in a situation, but hard to always follow through and obey him. I hope God uses my differences the way he used Ehud's. I feel like God's showing us in the story that things that make us unique are for a reason. It's easy to get hung up on what makes us different and see it as a negative when God actually sees it as a positive and will use it for his glory if you allow him to. Finally, I hope to be more like Ehud because of, he was a man of God. After he killed King Eglon, there's peace in Israel for 80 years until he died. As long as he was alive, um, Israel stayed faithful to God. Israel was constantly in a state of forgetting God, but as long as he was alive, they stayed faithful to him. He was a man of God, and whatever God wanted, he got it done. It's my goal that when I look back on my life, to see that I was a faithful, obedient man of God like Ehud. I don't expect God to put me in any scenario this extreme, but I hope that he uses my differences for his glory, just like he did with Ehud. I may not be a lefty like Ehud, but I do hope that God uses what makes me unique for his glory. My name is Leah Friend, and I go to school at Timothy Christian. A little bit about me, my main sport is volleyball, but I do cheer and track for my school. I have two older brothers, and when I was little, me and my, my family and I were missionaries in Romania. 
My story is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible verse for this story comes from Daniel 3, 5 through 6. As soon as you hear the sound of the flute, harp, and pipe, you must fall down and worship the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. These verses set the story. As all the other people worship God, the king, some Jews remember God in verses 12 to 14. But there are some Jews who you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. These verses introduce us to the main characters, three Jews that worked for the king. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? In the story, they are told to worship the king, but they stay firm in their love for God and remember that God never leaves us. The story goes on with them being thrown into a fire and an angel coming and saving them. This relates to me because when I was little, my grandma got ALS, which is a disease that slowly makes you lose control of your body. We moved out to California, and after she passed away, we moved back to Illinois. During this time, my family had to trust God that these changes would help us in the long run. This time was almost like a mini furnace for my family, where we had to trust God. Their story applies to my faith walk because they believe in God, even in hard times. And that's something I try to do, but sometimes struggle with, as it is easy to blame God when things aren't working out the way you want them to, or you don't understand why all of it is happening. I hope to apply their faith to God and always remember that God never leaves us, and try to see God's plan in my life, even if, like there seems, even if it seems like there isn't one. Thank you. Hello, my name is Albin Stromberg, and I've been a part of this church community my entire life. There are many benefits to being in the same church for so long. I've gotten to know so many people I would have never met otherwise. Most of my church memories involve worship, prayer, basketball, and coffee cake. Outside of church, a lot of kids know me as a church boy, which is a major compliment for me. But the truth with me and many others who have had a Christian faith is that I've wrestled with God. In the past couple of years, I had felt like God didn't see me and wasn't hearing my prayers. But in retrospect, I can see now all the wisdom that the Bible had for me then. In Genesis, we hear all about the story of Jacob, the man who wrestled with God. Jacob was the younger twin to Esau, and he wasn't supposed to inherit anything from his father. But out of jealousy, Jacob and his mother Rebekah tricked his father Isaac into giving the inheritance to him instead of Esau. After this, Jacob ran away from his angry brother to work for Laban. But God was still at work in Jacob's life. God stopped Jacob dead in his tracks in Genesis 32, 22-30, where the Bible reads, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, 
why don't you, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it was because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. After God's blessing upon him, Jacob went on to reconcile his relationship with his brother and lived out the rest of his days in the peace and comfort of God. God had a bigger picture for Jacob's life, and when Jacob turned away from God, God did not turn away from him. Just like Jacob, I too have wrestled with God. Going into junior high, I had high hopes for making some new friends. But by the end of my sixth grade year, one of my best friends had moved away. Next thing I know, COVID rolls around the corner. I recognize that for some, COVID was an opportunity to take away the social pressures of everyday life and spend more time with family. But for a teenager, those years were supposed to be a time to find a social circle and make quality friends for the years to come. I can specifically recall being devastated when I learned that the quarantine would last until the summer. Little did I know that it would still be affecting my life two years later. These added social anxieties made me feel more lost than ever, and I felt like God wasn't hearing my prayers. During my seventh grade year, I struggled with my mental health. I turned away from God and stopped trying to hear what he had to say to me. Looking back on it, this was one of the hardest years of my life. But just like Jacob, God had a bigger picture for me. With help from my family and counseling, I started to stop pushing back against God and started to receive his love and comfort. Within the next couple of months, I slowly let God lift the weight and stresses of my life off of my shoulders and put them onto his own. I got back together with old friends. In this way, God showed me I wasn't alone. The social impacts of the coronavirus slowly started lifting. In this way, God proved that he could carry the weight of my anxiety. And over the, this last summer, God has provided my family with the perfect parsonage for our needs. In this way, God proved that he heard our prayers. When I was wrestling with God, I couldn't see how he was pointing me towards something bigger and better than the moment I was in. But what I can now see is that seasons of wrestling are the time when God is most near. I realized that God was wrestling with me and not against me. Life can be scary and full of uncertainty. And in this uncertainty, it is especially easy to fight against what God has to tell you. But there is no need to continue to fear because you are not alone in your wrestling. Everyone goes through seasons of struggle and everyone needs God's help, even when they can't see it. Jacob still has one last thing to teach us through his story today. And that is that, the, that after he wrestled with God, he walked away with a limp that would follow him for the rest of his life. Our struggles and wrestlings won't always just disappear, and we have to continue to work to improve our relationships with God and people around us. I'm sure that this past season of my life is leaving me with a limp too, but that limp is just a reminder that God is always with me and he will never let me go. What God, has to tell, what God had to tell Jacob and continues to tell us today is that we need to trust and accept that God sees us cares about us, and is willing to lift our burdens to help us see his bigger picture. Hi everyone, I'm Piper Griffin. The character that I relate to is Joseph. Out of his 11 brothers, Jacob clearly favored Joseph and showed his love by giving him a beautiful coat. One day, Joseph had a dream where his brothers bowed and respected him, so he let them know about it. Jealousy controlled the brothers because, jo 
because Joseph was hogging all their dad's attention. So they beat him, threw him into a pit, and sold him. They then told their father that an animal had killed him. In Egypt, Joseph worked as a man for as a slave for a man named Potiphar, but was thrown into jail when falsely accused of sexual assault. While in jail, he was known for interpreting the dreams of his inmates. When the Pharaoh had a confusing dream, Joseph was called in. In the dream, there was going to be a famine, though he thought of, so he thought of saving grain during the best growing seasons and was put in charge of Egypt. Seven years later, Joseph saved the nations from hunger despite their lack of harvest. When Joseph's brothers came and pleaded for grain, though they did not recognize him, Joseph forgave their past actions and revealed that he was their brother. Even though all these bad things had happened to him, God had a plan for him. For me, the beginning of middle school was rough. Running from period to, pe to period was a struggle, and the amount of homework and tests that piled up were stressing me out. I began to wonder if I was really cut out to be in the classes I was in, and I was struggling to keep up. Although it was difficult, I made many more friends and started to build up relationships with some of my closest friends today. March of 2020, we were alarmed with a two-week break from school in order to stay safe from the growing problem of the new coronavirus. In my mind, it was a bonus vacation, and I didn't even consider how it could and would change my life for the next couple of years. As quarantine got worse and isolation wasn't coming to an end, I was scared and didn't want anything to happen to the people I cared about. When remote learning was announced, I was bummed that I was trapped in my house, not being allowed to see my friends. A school year passed, and I was increasingly cut off from the people I loved spending time with. I was lonely. In a way, I was like Joseph. He was cut off from his friends and family, but for much longer than me. I was mainly trapped in my room, but he was trapped in a prison cell for 12 long years in a foreign land. Not only was there the pandemic, but my grandpa was really starting to struggle with his Alzheimer's. He has the sweetest heart and has always looked out for all his loved ones. Although he doesn't have much to say, he listens and enjoys every moment he has with you. I couldn't see him for a while at this time. When the last quarter came, COVID was slightly better and the school reopened with stricter rules to prevent spreading. I stayed home for safety, but I regretted this decision because it was the time where I felt most left out. The friend group I had been in since fifth grade had grown throughout the three years and it had some issues with the people in it. Since I was not involved or around, I had no idea what happened and I only had a few friends that made me feel included. In early eighth grade, I heard about my school musical Frozen, so I spent the next couple of months as one of the assistant directors and had the best experience with so many great people. I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't feeling loneliness from the past years. I think God intended me to take that path so I could end up with those new friends. My life is going to have a lot of challenges in it, but I need to remember that God intends things for good. When my family meets up and I get to see my grandpa, I appreciate my relationship more with him because I know time is limited. I can feel how much he loves me even when he can't tell me that. I know that God has a plan for him and no matter what happens, he will always be on my side. Also, when I go to school every week, I'm thankful for the time with my friends. God has a plan for us, and even when we don't understand the reasons behind his actions, we have to have faith. This will give us the hope and confidence to, and confidence to live positively in a broken world and to share God's hope with others. As Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what has now be done, the saving of many lives. I know that if Joseph can keep faith in the midst of his trials, then so can I. Hello, my name is Hayden Clark. The characters I decided to do were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, 16 through 18 says, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace that the king had ordered to be seven times hotter than usual. The king had ordered anyone who would not worship his gods to bow down to his power would be thrown into the furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not afraid. They would only bow down to their god and true king, for they knew they would keep, he would keep them safe. They knew God would stay with them and not let a single flame touch them. They believed in God, and God saved them from harm. For Daniel 3.25 says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. God proved to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the whole kingdom, that he would always protect and save. But I don't think we need a miracle or people being thrown into a fiery furnace to know that. God never leaves us and is always by our side. In my life, I hope to continue and grow and strengthen my trust in God. I want to always remember he is there, but it can be hard when life is not going your way. Even in my anger and sadness and even in my happiest moments, I want to know God will always be by my side. Even when I feel lost from God, I know that God has not lost me. I want to feel guided through life by God and be able to find, to give my trust to God. I'm going into high school next year and I want to be able to seek God and have him guide me. I have been in the same school district with the same kids since kindergarten. So I hope that God will help me find friends and help me become the person he wants me to be. If you know me, I'm really into theater and performing. Even though it can be a really tough job, I really want to be a performer. I hope God will guide me through the twisted roads of finding my passion and help me decide what I want my life to look like. I need to trust God so I can hear his call and be able to trust him so much that I can jump into a burning furnace and know that I'll be safe. I did not choose Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because I relate to them, but because I want to relate to them. They had so much trust in God that they let themselves be thrown into a fire. God did not just save them, but he proved to his kingdom that he is here and to never leave you, and God will always be with us. Thank you. Hi, I'm Colin Bradley, and I'm an eighth grader here at Hinsdale Middle School. I want to relate to Isaiah in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Isaiah talks about his personal experience when God healed him from his sins. He directly says on verse 6 through 7, Then one of the seraphim flew down to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. With, it, with one small cry to the seraphims, God, gave, God forgave Isaiah's sins and abolished his guilt. With, given my unfortunate history with broken bones, there are a lot of them, especially when I broke my arm about a year and a half ago. I relate to Isaiah's faith story because during those hard times, I'm able to turn to God and ask for healing. During those times that I'm out of sports and activities, I tend to have a lot of free time on my hands. During those times, I sometimes start to doubt God's plan for me. I start to think that if I was only a second later or a second earlier, I would still be on the court or field. But also during those times, I spend a lot of time thinking about my faith and how God does things for a reason. Maybe I need to slow life down a little bit. Maybe something worse may have happened to me and God really saved me. 
Whatever it is, I relate to Isaiah because I feel whenever I'm at a low point in my life, I'm able to turn to God and really reconnect with him. Confirmation has really helped me realize the importance of the so-called break in my life. Instead of becoming angry and upset, I've now learned to really value the time I get to spend with God. I almost feel like it's a natural reset, reset point in my life. My guilt is washed away and my sins have been forgiven. Now it could be described as a new chapter in my life. God has almost handed me the gift of natural leadership abilities, just like he did Isaiah. Now, this might be because I'm almost 6'3 at 14 years old, but nevertheless, I want to positively impact people around me. Isaiah was able to bring comfort and hope to his people during a challenging time. I would love to do the same. If people ever need anything, are feeling down, or just need someone by their side, I want to be there for them, just like Isaiah was. If God ever needs someone to be there for him, spread a message, I want to accept that role with open arms and embrace it, just like Isaiah did. If I am ever in the lowest of lows and need healing from our Lord, I wish to turn to God and seek healing and forgiveness, just like Isaiah learned. I wish for my walk of faith to resemble Isaiah's in many ways. Being brave, confident, helpful, and devoted are all qualities Isaiah carried, and I hope to carry with me throughout throughout the rest of my teen years and into my adulthood. Confirmation has taught me to do all these things to the best of my ability. Now the real task at hand is implementing them into my everyday life. Thank you. So, uh, again, awesome job from all of you. And what a gift for you to share your stories with this congregation, to bless them on this day. Uh, I I was telling the students on Wednesday how... uh, Wonderful it is for me to be able to have them be the preachers today. Uh, because when we as preachers stand up and there's only one of us, we, it's an overwhelming task at time to, to know all that God is doing in your lives, the situations that you bring with you on a day like today. But here you had seven of them. God is speaking through them. And, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. Wonderful job. I get the last mini-sermon um, which, which I'm excited about because I actually get to talk about where this assignment for, for, for picking an Old Testament character comes from. Um, when I've taught on the book of Hebrews before, I've often talked about Hebrews 11, which is an amazing passage. And Hebrews 11 is sort of like the author of Hebrews. We don't know who the author of Hebrews is. That the author of Hebrews had the assignment of picking their favorite Old Testament character that they relate their faith to. And they're like, I can't decide. I'm just going to list them all. And so, out of all these great Old Testament characters, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 talks about a cloud of witnesses, people who have gone before us. And they mention Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and all of the judges. And it walks through each of their stories and why they are exemplars of faith. Why they are people whom God's faithfulness is made known through them. But the thesis at the end of Hebrews 11 is not, so these are all the greatest heroes of faith and let's just follow them. Actually, the thesis at the end of Hebrews 11 is that the world wasn't worthy of these people. They were incredible examples, but none of them received the blessing that was promised to them. None of them received the true blessing that was promised to them in their lifetime. Because the true blessing was the Messiah, was the one who would come and and take them out of a cycle of brokenness and sin and offer true forgiveness. And that's where this incredible passage comes. 
in Hebrews chapter 12. I think we've got a slide of that. I just want to read it for you. This is sort of like after trying to decide an Old Testament character and not being able to do it, here's what the author of Hebrews says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that, sing, that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you might not grow weary in your souls or might lose heart. Here's the amazing part of this passage in Hebrews. And we've been studying these Old Testament characters and they are amazing and they're incredible. And I do want you to take the lessons that they've taught you and bring them forward in your life. But the author of Hebrews says, actually, we have access to something even greater than any of these incredible heroes of the faith had. We have Jesus. We have Jesus, the Messiah. And so what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus. All of these characters that you've been studying, what they really do is they point us to Jesus so that we might fix our eyes on him. And there's nothing better that we can say on Confirmation Sunday to push you forward into the high school years and beyond, then to take these heroes of the faith that we've learned about, these characters, these awesome stories, let them sink into your soul and your heart, and let them be the exemplars of faith that allow you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.